Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. You can grab your Bibles if you'd like. There'll be two passages of Scripture that we're reading. Uh, It'll be a few minutes before we get there. This will be a busy day. This is typically the day of the year where I hyperventilate, and you'll have to calm me down, okay? So um, today's State of the Church message and, um, and, and I'll tell you all about that in just a minute. But there's two passages of Scripture we'll be in. Matthew 28. Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. All right? Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 2. So we're just going to dive in here, all right? So you, you don't have to have spent a very, many, uh, very much time here to realize that I, I am very protective of this pulpit and how it's used. Um, not the physical materials, but, the, but what this pulpit represents. Most of the time, like 98% of the time, I use the, the time in this pulpit to serve as in the functions of preacher or teacher. Um, but today I'm going to serve in much more of a pastoral role. Uh, it's different, but it's just as important. Um, the role of the pastor a lot of times is connected to a shepherd, uh, leading a flock from one place to another. Right, providing oversight, meeting the needs of the sheep, pointing out dangers, plotting a course, keeping everybody together. Now, I will confess to you, I know almost nothing about sheep. All right, but the only way to do all of that that we just described with people is to communicate. So today is what I call the state of the church message. Uh, it is the eleventh time that we've been that we've done this, so the eleventh annual state of the church message, and it's always served to bring us closer and bring our bring our common goals more clearly into focus. Um, this year's going to be a little bit different because it's a, this is a two week event. Um, it, there's just too much for us to talk about. It's a very pivotal moment in the history of our church. Uh, and there's just too much to talk about in one week. I feel like God has, uh, has downloaded a whole bunch of stuff this week. Uh, I, was, I was talking to the Lord yesterday and thinking about our time together this week. And I said, um, God, I, don't really, I didn't really do much talking this week. I did a whole lot of listening. And I think that's probably the way prayer should, should be, that you do more listening than talking. But I, felt, I feel like the Lord's downloaded a lot of things that I need to share with you. Uh, so two weeks might actually be a tight fit too, but I'm committed to making it work. Okay. So let me say this. If you're like, oh man, this is the one day I chose to come. If you consider covenant life to be your home, or if you are considering finding a church home and the Lord led you here today, please be here. Please tune in, uh, this week and next week. I can't emphasize that enough. The next 10 years or more of our church will be impacted by what we talk about today and next week. All right? So please make sure that you're here this week and next week. We're going to talk about numbers. We're going to talk about dollars. We're going to talk about ministry. We're going to talk about dreams and visions. We're going to talk about buildings and facilities. But most of all, we're going to talk about Jesus. 
We're going to talk about people, and we're going to talk about what we have to do with the time that we have left on this earth. You'll hear the heart of this pastor. You'll hear the heart of this church in the next two weeks. There is an urgency that has been rising in me for, for a while now. I don't really have a context for it. I'm not sure really what I'm supposed to do with it other than just communicate as clearly and as passionately and as often as I can. And so that's what I'm committed to do. I, I'm going to pray as hard as I've ever prayed. I'm going <clears> to <throat> work as hard as I've ever worked. And, 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 uh, and I just want to see this come to pass. So I hope that you will walk away today challenged and inspired and motivated and convinced that at the end of these two weeks that this is God's vision for this house and that this vision must come to pass. It must come to pass and you'll understand why when we get there. Now let's dive in. In order to know where we're going, we got to know where we've been and where we are. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about 2022 and looking at, uh, at some of the, the things that, that happened in that year. We'll look at uh, attendance numbers. We'll look at financials. Uh, it's important to me to share these with you um, for the sake of transparency and accountability. Um, there, there's a lot of elements in a healthy church. Uh, attendance and financials are only two of those elements. But since they are part of the equation, then I want to do just a quick flyover to kind of let you know what's going on and what's been going on so we know where we can go together. All right? Everybody good? All right, here we go. Uh, the attend- here's the attendance numbers. We averaged 222 people last year in person on Sunday mornings. That is a 10% increase over the previous year. So that is a very healthy rate of growth, and that's encouraging. Uh, the trends that we saw emerge during COVID have now, uh, have now solidified, and they're reflected in the data that, uh, that's been collected from all over the country. Uh, about 30% of people, 30% or more of people who attended church pre-COVID no longer attend church anywhere. The verifiable fact is that less people go to church and less people are interested in going to church than ever before. For the first time in history in 2022, more churches closed than opened. All right? So for us to see our attendance numbers continue to move in a positive direction is a good sign. Um, Those figures don't include those who are watching online. There are lots of formulas and lots of ways that people suggest that you work in the live stream numbers to your attendance numbers. I haven't figured out a way that I feel comfortable um, telling you that X amount of people are watching. You know, you get an IP address. You don't know how many eyeballs are on the other side of that computer screen. So I don't feel comfortable telling you how many other people are watching this morning from around the world. Um, But I can tell you they're there because I keep running into people who tell me about the services and the messages, and I hadn't seen them in a coon's age. So, like, people are watching. They're, they're there. They're there. So, um, we're just glad that they're here. It, it's, it's an astounding tool that God has given us to be able to, for people to stay in touch and to continue to attend church even when they, they can't attend in person. So, we, we just appreciate that. It, it, but it is amazing how many people are watching on live stream or who catch the message uh, on demand on the YouTube channel um, or who catch the message whenever and on one of the various podcast or streaming platforms that we're on. So that's the attendance numbers. Uh, here's the, the financials. Uh, 
Uh, our total giving for the church in 2022 uh, was up by $29,000. That's a 5% increase. The total giving for our church was $612,000. That does not include giving to the Jericho Project, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. The age-old question that church leaders get all the the time is, uh, where's all that money go? And so here's the answer. Um, here's the here the here's the breakdown of our of our church budget in 2022, um, as is the case for every church and every really small business. If you want to consider it that way, the largest expense is always payroll. Um, for that's true for us as well. And approximately 48 percent of our budget last year went to cover payroll expenses. We have four full time staff members. We have four part-time staff members, and then whatever contract labor we may have to hire through the year as well. We have to offer them a 1099. So all of that is included in this category of expenses. We try to keep that, and my commitment to you 10 years ago when I began pastoring this church was that we'd keep that around 45% of the budget, if at all possible, um, with inflation having been 9% in 2022. Um, our full-timers would have essentially taken a nearly 10% pay cut to be able to continue to work here. So uh, the, the elders approved a cost-of-living adjustment, which pushed our, uh, our overall payroll percentage a couple of points higher than normal. But we do expect that to get balanced out as we move into 2023, and we continue to monitor all of the uh, allocations and expenditures. So nothing to be alarmed at. It's just part of the new economy that we're all trying to figure out as we move forward. The second largest expense category is operations. It accounted for 16% uh, of our budget. It includes office and janitorial supplies. Somebody say, yay, toilet paper. Um, postage, bank fees, insurance, just general expenses for keeping the church operating. Compared to the previous year, and I compared the P&Ls from last year to the previous year, um, every category in this heading went up because of inflation. So paper products are more expensive, food for the cafe, insurance, even credit card processing fees went up to process giving. So things just cost more in 2022 than they have in previous years. You know that every time you order your groceries, right? Or go in person. Uh, so, which we don't do anymore. I walked into Walmart the other day. I was like, this is what Walmart looks like. Um, all right, so we got three categories that came in at 10% each. The first is ministries and missions. Um, this is discipleship ministry, music ministry, outreach, kids, students, all the ministry arms of the church as we become the hands and feet of Jesus. And you think 10%, shouldn't that be higher? Well, remember that most ministry is either done by volunteers or by church staff that's already accounted for in another category, okay? And we do our best to use electronic materials whenever possible so we don't have a lot of curriculum to purchase. Uh, So we just try to be good stewards of every resource that we have. So nobody's getting cheated out of ministry just because we try to run lean. Now, about one-third of our ministry missions category went to local missions organizations, including the CCC in Tallapoosa, that's the Community Christian Council, the Bremen Food Bank uh, here out towards Temple, that's Pastor Mark Stroud's uh, food ministry, the Pregnancy Resource Center in Carrollton, the House of Cherith in Atlanta, Um, In the Middle East, we support uh, an organization called Bibles Unbound that smuggles the Word of God into closed nations um, at great peril to themselves. In Honduras, we sponsor Mountaintop Ministries and uh, Mi Esperanza, 
And in the Philippines, we support uh, Jeff Vaughn and Salt and Light missions. We also provide, our church provides two $1,000 scholarships to a deserving student here in our community. So one to Bremen High School graduate and one to a Harrelson County High School graduate. Um, next category is our mortgage. Our mortgage on the property accounts for another 10%. Um, our, we spent $59,000 on debt servicing last year. Our payment is about $4,500 a month. Uh, and much of last year, we also included an additional $1,000 uh, on the principal. So our total indebtedness, we have seven and a half acres of property here, right here in beautiful downtown Bremen, Georgia. Um, we only owe just over a half million dollars. We have $556,000 is our, is our total indebtedness on seven and a half acres. So, so uh, fiscally, we're sitting in, in a really good spot. All right. Another 10% went to utilities. Um, we used $64,000 worth of power, water, and gas last year. Uh, that figure, everybody say, yay, toilets, right? So that, uh, that figure included, it was about $15,000 higher than the previous year for a couple of reasons. One, because utility companies have been charging more per unit than they were in previous years, and also because of the House of Cherith. So having people living on site 24-7 and showering and doing all the things, um, the, 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 it increases the usage of the utilities. That was a cost we anticipated. It's not a surprise. Nobody's upset. It's one that we see as an investment in the lives of these ladies that God has blessed to bring into our lives here at Covenant Life. So that is not a big deal, okay? Um, so our denominational support is 7%. It's called a tithe of tithes. That is really hard to say, so you should pat me on the back for that. So 10% of anything that comes into the church marked on the giving envelope or on, um, what's that called? Secure give? Lord. Um, so that anything comes in the tithe category, uh, a 10% of that is divided equally between our state headquarters and our international headquarters uh, for the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. State, quarters, state headquarters is in Lawrenceville. The international headquarters is in Cleveland, Tennessee, all right? So that was 7% of our budget. Um, maintaining our building and our property here uh, was about 3.5% of our budget. Um, that category would be two or three times higher if it weren't for Kirk Hopkins and Ken White and their band of merry men who volunteer their time and considerable expertise to take care of everything from plumbing to HVAC to painting and repairs, so they spend a ridiculous amount of time uh, here, and I am forever grateful. So thank you, guys. I, the, the work ethic and the passion that they have for doing what they do, the fun that they have doing what they do, uh, could be illegal, I'm not even sure. But uh, I really, really appreciate that, so please make sure you take the time to tell them thank you. Um, the balance of the budget was, uh, was accounted for in our checking and savings account just to keep things operating. Uh, it, anytime you have questions about anything uh, fiscally, then, then we are always available. The elders and I are always uh, open for questions. We'd be happy to talk to you after service if you've got any questions. I do want to identify our elders, though. So, elders, if you can stand or raise your hand. Tanya, sit down. Do not stand up, woman. She had knee surgery. So if y'all would raise your hand, y'all can look around if you need to find the elders. They're, they're everywhere. There's only seven of them, but they're everywhere. Okay. In 2018, the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly. Um, 
that the issue that our congregation was supposed to attack together um, was sex trafficking. Um, I spent most of 2019 wading through that issue, figuring out what in the world it was and how our efforts at fighting that should play out and could play out in the things that we did as a church. Uh, at the end of that year, 2019, we launched uh, what we call the Jericho Project. It's our effort at fighting sex trafficking, and it's inspired by the biblical account of the Battle of Jericho uh, in the book of Joshua. We believe that covenant life is called to rescue the Rahabs of this world and to invite them to be part of God's family, just like the, the children of Israel did at the Battle of Jericho. In 2020, we refocused all of our um, missions giving uh, to, to commit to this fight. I can draw you a straight line between the organizations that we sponsor in our missions giving and the fight against sex trafficking. There is a very clear connection between all of those. The money that we freed up from the other organizations, which were great organizations, but when God calls, then you have to refocus your attention and energy in that direction. And so that's what we did. Uh, the money that we freed up that used to go to the other organizations was rerouted to the House of Cherith in Atlanta. Um, a lot happened during the pandemic year of 2020, and what started that year culminated in 2022 with the opening of our part of the House of Cherith West campus. We are absolutely thrilled every week to get to worship with these ladies, and we hope and pray that we are part of their journey towards healing and wholeness and community. Um, in addition to Kirk and Ken and the work that they've done, a huge thanks also goes to Jimmy Muse who has spent many, many hours at the HOC doing repairs and improvements and projects there so that they have everything that they need to be uh, safe and efficient and effective. So, Jimmy, thank you very much, sir. Good stuff. Also part of the Jericho Project is leverage, leveraging the use of our facilities, um, both current and future, to advance church functions, and the fight against trafficking. I just don't see a path forward in obedience to God that is an either-or. It has to be a both-and. We have to do both because that's what God's called us to. So it's inside needs and it's outside opportunities. So the next step is, a construction, is the construction of a kid's building right out here, right adjacent to the sanctuary. When that's in place, then we can give the House of Cherith the entire the access to the entire Coley building, which will more than double their capacity and increase the services that they can provide on site. So they don't have to go to Atlanta. They don't have to go anywhere else. Once they get here, they can stay here and, and heal. So we asked for your help last year in, uh, in taking the next step forward, and you came through in a, in a huge way. Um, over $68,000 came in allocated for the Jericho project. Um, we keep that in a separate account in a separate bank. Okay, It operates completely separate from the church. Um, so we invested every dime, every dollar of that that came in last year, plus some that had rolled over from the previous year to accomplish the opening of the West Campus here, but also the demo and the abatement of, the, of some of the property next door. Um, we are well, so you know that last year at this time there were buildings standing out there and we were able to get the, the hazmat abated and get those things knocked down. So we are well positioned to move forward into the future and uh, we'll discuss that plan 
uh, in greater detail next week. Uh, as a matter of fact, I cannot wait to show you um, the architectural plans for the kids' building, um, a site map for the total build-out of this campus of what does seven and a half acres uh, look like when it's dedicated to both church needs and outside opportunities. What does that potentially look like? I can't wait to show you that. And there's this artist rendering of what the campus could look like that it will blow your mind. Okay, so that's that is next week. Uh, it's not all going to be drawings and pictures. Um, it's it's going to be a whole lot of other stuff as well. I'm going to be sharing a very clear message about the vision of our church. And again, if you care about or you're curious about covenant life uh, at all, don't miss next week. Uh, So all total, wrapping this thing up, all total between the church and the Jericho Project, you guys gave $680,000 to advance the cause of the work of the Lord. And I am so grateful for your faithfulness and your trust to pray and to give and to serve every week. I said that just a few minutes ago. We make a bigger impact when we do it together. I don't think any of us has 680,000 sitting around, um, but when we re- when we pull what we do have, when everybody does what they can and what they should, it is amazing what God is able to do with us together. Together. All right? So, John, what, let's, let's wrap up this, this portion of the message this way. Say, so John, what's the state of our church? It's supposed to be a state of the church message. What is the state of our church? Giving is up 5%. Attendance is up 10%. We had five souls saved in our services last year that we know about. Eight babies were dedicated last year. Like, yay, babies. There was a, a dozen people who rededicated their lives to the Lord that we know about. We had a dozen more that joined the church. We had 13 that were baptized in water. The work of the Lord is being accomplished. The word, the word of the Lord is being proclaimed. The worship of the Lord is getting deeper and more intense with every passing week. And the state of Covenant Life Church is strong to the glory of God and to the work of His kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right, so now we turn our eyes from the past to uh, the present and the future. Uh, there's one major uh, initiative that we have planned for this year that I want to tell you about, and I want to tell you why we've, we've chosen to do that. Uh, two scripture passages that I want to read that will guide our discussion today and really move us into next week as well. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. So if you opened your, your app or you opened your Bible, you can look back down there now. Matthew 28. And Acts chapter 2, here's Matthew 28 and 18. I hope if you've been at Covenant Life for more than a minute and a half, I hope this is not uh, a surprise to you because this is, this is what we're supposed to do. Jesus came, told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and you can be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the, of the age. And then here's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. Verse 43 A deep sense of awe came over uh, all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple every day. They met in homes 
for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The mission of our church is the same as the mission for every Bible-believing church in the world, and that is this, go make disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that is your mission. That's what Jesus said. And if you are a collection of believers anywhere, that's your mission. We've been called to seek out lost people, to bring them into a fully formed relationship with Jesus as his disciples. At Covenant Life, we believe the way we do that is by by three things, being real, relational, and reaching. We're going to talk more about that next week. You say, well, John, what does it mean to make disciples who are real, relational, and reaching? Well, I think we just read it. It's described right there in Acts chapter 2. I've heard this uh, passage of Scripture referred to as the five purposes of the church, and and I think that's accurate. I've heard it laid out this way. Uh, People say that the early church in Jerusalem went to the temple for the apostles' teaching, and they call that uh, discipleship. They prayed, they worshipped, they fellowshiped in each other's homes, and they did ministry together to take care of spiritual and physical needs. So the five purposes, as as I've heard them previously, is discipleship, prayer, worship, fellowship, and ministry. Okay? Does that make sense? It, it, it recently, though, in, in the last several weeks or a couple months, I don't know, the Lord has, has begun to show it to me a little differently. I, I don't think going that the, they're going to the temple and hearing the apostles teach encompasses discipleship. Because I think you can be a student of the Word without being a disciple of Jesus. I won't let all that, like, for, for a second. If going to the temple and hearing the teaching of the apostles was discipleship, I think we're missing a whole lot in our definition of discipleship. Because you can be a student of the Word. You can study Scripture. You can memorize Scripture. You can know Scripture without ever actually intending to follow Jesus. I know people, give you names and addresses, of people who learned the Word of God in order to confuse and irritate Christians. They just wanted to argue and debate. All right? So you can go to church. They, they went to the temple in Jerusalem at that time. We can go to church. A person can go to church every week and not ever become a disciple of Jesus. Okay? So that's what got me hung up. That's what, that's what got my brain caught. Okay? The, the more I looked at it, the more I believe that what maybe has been presented as the purposes of the church are all actually expressions of discipleship. That all of it is discipleship. If you're a disciple, you're going to go get teaching. Isn't that right? And it's easier to do that now than ever before in the history of the world. But if you're a disciple, you're also going to pray. And if you're a disciple, you're also going to worship. And disciples also serve. And disciples also fellowship with each other. So I'd be, I'd be willing to bet there was just as much discipleship going on at the dinner tables in all of their homes as there was in the temple while the apostles were teaching. So for me, that's all discipleship. And the call on my life and the call on your life, whether you know it or not, and the call on this church is to go and make disciples, not just converts, 
And not just students, but disciples. Actual followers of Jesus. Now, while I do have some people, I'm just going to be real transparent with you, real real honest with you, because I I need you to know where I'm at so we know where we're going. All right, There are some people in my life that I disciple, but it's not enough. It's not enough. I spend a lot of effort every week when I stand in this pulpit to make sure that the messages that come out of this pulpit are the solid meat of the word. But it's not enough. There's more to making disciples than preaching and teaching. And I have to establish systems and processes and opportunities in this church that will not, and in my life, that will not just teach and preach the Word of God to people, but equip them, equip you and other people to, and give you opportunities for, for not just hearing me teach, but for prayer and worship and fellowship and doing ministry together. And so that's what's been swirling around inside of me for a while. And after much prayer and reflection and conversation with the elders, with the staff, um, on how to do that best, beginning right after Easter of this year. So Easter is about six weeks away. It's April uh, 9th. So beginning April 12th of this year, we're going to launch Next Level Discipleship Nights on Wednesday nights. Okay, This will not be the same as the Wednesday nights that we had pre-COVID. Um, this is going to be focused differently. Remember, we have to make disciples. So it's not just having service just for the sake of having service. This is about making disciples. It's about taking people to the next level as disciples of Jesus. All right? So we're going to break it out like this. The first Wednesday night of the month will be prayer and worship night. First Wednesday night's prayer and worship. Um, when, we, when we get together, we're going to spend some time in worship together. We're going to have a short time in the Word where, where we either talk about prayer or we have a, a collective prayer focus. Uh, and then we're just going to pray. So, John, what are you going to do on prayer night? <clears throat> pray. I know that's revolutionary. Um, but if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to prioritize prayer. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Uh, like, how do you learn to pray if you're never around people praying? And, and how do you see the collective impact of our prayers if we don't ever come together and pray? You say, well, John, we can pray, to, we can pray at our house. Yeah, but you don't. Right? I mean, I could say we're going to pray at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Are y'all going to pray at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights? Most of us wouldn't. Me too. Because we're busy. We're crazy. Y'all cra- I'm crazy. I don't know if y'all are crazy. My house is crazy. So, like, I'll be looking at 7 o'clock and like, nope, not going to happen tonight. If you don't change the schedule, you don't schedule your priorities, somebody else schedules their priorities. Right? So, I'm just saying, John needs more time in prayer together with people who love Jesus and love to pray. So John going to be here on Wednesday nights, first Wednesday night of every month, praying. If y'all want to come pray with John, or pray for John, y'all come on. Okay? So that's, the, that's, the, what, that's what it's going to look like. The, the prayer team, our intercessory prayer group, meets every, Wednesday, every Monday night now. On the week, the first week of the month, the first 
uh, Wednesday night of the month, they'll meet with us. They won't meet on Monday nights, they'll meet with us. There will be time to pray about individual needs as well. So don't, don't worry about that. But, but let me tell you this, if this church is ever going to accomplish the mission that Jesus gave us, if we're ever going to be successful, victorious disciples of Jesus Christ, we are going to have to prioritize prayer. Here's the second and third weeks of the, of, uh, of the month. The second and third Wednesday nights of the month are going to be Bible study. At some point, that might look like traditional Bible studies used to look, where a teacher will come and teach you from a prepared lesson. But at least for a little while, that's not what we're doing. We are going to study the Bible together. I'm not going to prepare a study as a matter of fact, when we show up that first week, I'm not even going to know what we're studying because we're going to decide what we want to study, and then we're going to start studying it. I'm going to bring my, the tools that I usually use for, for studying. It's not like some secret passage that you have to have the handshake or whatever. I, I'll bring you what I usually use when I study. You can bring your stuff uh, that you may have had study materials and that you've had for years. You don't know how to use them. Bring them. We're going to learn to study the Bible together. And you're like, John, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Me either. I ain't never seen it. I ain't never done it. But we're going to figure it out together. How are you going to be a disciple of Jesus if you don't know how to get into the Word and find out what it says for yourself? Because I do my best to be a man of integrity. And then when I tell you that's what the Word says, and that's to, to the best of my ability, that's what I believe the Word to say. But you're the one who's going to be standing before the throne of God one day. Not me. I'm not going to be with you. It's not a plus one kind of opportunity. I won't be. I'll be busy myself sweating or whatever it is whatever you do before judgment all right so you got to stand before him yourself so you need to know what the word says so this is not shaming this is not none of that but when do we teach people how to study the bible i don't know i'm today old and i don't know that i've seen it happen very often so that's what we're going to do second third wednesday nights of the month we're going to come together and learn how to study the bible I have no idea how it's going to go. This may crash and burn. I have no clue, but we're going to try it because I, I don't know how else. This is what we have to do. All right. The fourth Wednesday night of the month, um, I have not come up with a really cool name, uh, but I'm just going to call this Mentorship Night. Uh, it's kind of a Paul and Timothy thing, maybe. Um, I've been pastoring this church for over 10 years, and it's gone like that you're like not on our side of the pulpit and it it honestly i i can't missy and i talk about it all the time i can't believe it's been 10 years um it and what's going to feel like two weeks another 20 years is going to go by right um here's the thing in 20 years i'll be 73 years old shocking i know i look 30 um, you're like, I don't see a gray hair on your head. Honey, I know. I've washed them down the sink this morning. Um, I'll be 73 in 20 years. I don't know what my health will be like then. I don't know what your tolerance level of me will look like then. Right? I, I sure as heck don't know what the world will look like in 20 years, in 20 days, much less 20 years. I, have, I, I, I feel compelled to start downloading into another generation. Everything that I've learned in 31 years of ministry 
in 10 years as a public school teacher and administrator, in um, 30 years as a parent, at the, in, in however long we spend in, in, in fostering eight kids and adopting three kids, in, in 48 years of walking this earth as a disciple of Jesus and figuring most things out the hard way, I just want to pass on the lessons that I've learned the hard way so that you don't have to have the same scars that I've got. Okay? That's, that's all I can tell you. That, that, I, just want to, I just want to pass on what I know. There's not necessarily a curriculum. There's not, I don't know what that's going to look like. Again, I've never seen it, so I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. But if you'll show up, then we'll figure it out together. All right, so when, when I leave this earth in 40 years or so, um, I don't want to take anything with me that could have helped you. I, I can't do that. The call of God on my life Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The call of God on all of our lives is to make disciples. That means we're going to have a mentor. We have to have a mentoring relationship with people. We have to talk. So, so we're going to talk about leadership. And we're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about teaching and preaching. We're going to talk about leading organizations through change. We're going to talk about work ethic. We're going to talk about serving people and loving people. We're going to talk about integrity in this crazy world that we live in. It's not pastor school. You're like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do what you do. I don't need you to do what I do. It's not pastor school. It's not even leader school. It's really just about learning how to serve God in a way that pleases Him him and maximizes the gifts and the opportunity that he's given to all of us whatever your calling is it's my job to help you fulfill it my job is to help you be what he wants you to be and i think if we come together and spend some time together we can learn from each other and we can all figure out how to be better at what god's called each of us to do because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're standing in the pulpit or you're standing at the front door opening it or if you're cleaning the bathrooms, whatever it is, we're all called to be servants and disciples of Jesus Christ. We're all called to do everything as unto the Lord. And so if we can learn to serve His people and love His people and, and operate as if we're doing it for Him, then we're all on the same, in, on the same page. All right? So... Um, the months that have a fifth Wednesday night are party night. Woo! That was me wide open, y'all. I'm a party animal. Um, it'll be fellowship nights, okay? Because we, we covered all the other aspects of discipleship. Fellowship is something that we, could, we accomplish in, in our small group ministries, in our, in our uh, other ancillary ministries, the men's group and women's group, the seniors group and you know, youth groups, all of that. But um, like, where, where do we fellowship? As a church, well, we're going to get together in fellowship. We're going to set up tables. We're going to bring in food. Not food that you have to cook on a busy Wednesday night, but we'll, we'll figure out a way to get food here so that you just come in. We're going to have theme nights. Sometimes it's going to be Mexican night. We're going to fix like 50 pounds of taco meat. Hallelujah. Um, and then we'll come together and, and get indigestion together. Um, we, you know, there'll be like all American night. There'll be like tailgate night. There will just whatever. There's only like four in a year. So y'all calm down. We can't do all of that at one time, but, uh, we'll just on the fifth Wednesday night, we'll just come together and we'll have a good time together. All right. Now let me, let me, uh, answer the question that, that might be on everybody's mind. So, so when we reopened 
after COVID, um, we didn't do Wednesday nights. And, and I told you that we couldn't do Wednesday nights because we didn't have the staff to do kids ministry on both Sundays and Wednesdays. So we prioritized Sundays and we're waiting for, for the Wednesday night staff to emerge. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. We, we still don't have the staff to do both Sundays and Wednesdays. So when we do our Wednesday nights starting in April, the nursery will be open but not staffed. Okay, so if you need to take your baby in there to do whatever you need to do, it'll be open. There just won't be anybody to pass the child to. Now, don't leave the child in the nursery and close the door. <laughs> this is not Walmart. There ain't no self-checkout, self-service stuff up in here. Um, but it'll be open if you need to take babies in there. The same is true for kids' ministry. We won't have kids' ministry on staff. Caitlin has assured me she's going to make sure that we have like crayons and coloring sheets and things that we did. If you all remember when we reopened uh, after COVID, but we didn't have kids' ministry open yet, she made sure there was something for them to keep their little busy hands and minds occupied, and that's what we're going to do. You're like, John, that's kind of old school. I get it, but that's all we can do right now. Okay? If God lays it on somebody's heart, then praise the Lord. If he doesn't, we're going to do the best we can with what we got to work with. But here's the conclusion that I feel like God led me to. At some point, you got to stop letting what you can't do stop you from what you have to do. And this is what we have to do. Is it going to be perfect? A hundred percent not. Is it going to be exactly the way it, it, it could have been? Could it be better? Absolutely could be better. We'll always strive to make it better. But we can't not do it because it's not perfect. Okay, so we have to make disciples. That is the mission. It's my mission. It's our church's mission. It's your mission. Sunday morning's not enough. If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to have something more than Sunday mornings. So if we're going to get to the next level of discipleship, it's going to take, we're going to have to commit to more. And that's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. Y'all stand with me, please. Listen, I appreciate your patience. I know I get neurotic on these Sundays and I talk 800 miles an hour. All, all this is, is, is on video. It's recorded. You can listen to it. If you want to go back and listen to it, you can. Listen to me on half speed. I usually make more sense that way. Um, Proverbs teaches us that, um, that all of our ways should acknowledge the Lord. We can, we can make our plans, but it's God who determines whether or not they'll be successful. Our job as believers, as followers, as disciples of Jesus is to do our dead level, honest, to goodness, best, to hear what he's saying to us and to be obedient to go in that direction. Okay? There, I, I'm not telling you, I'm not making any guarantees about any of this. I'm not telling you there's going to be 400 people show up on Wednesday nights and that's going to how to determine our success. We have to do this, y'all. So if it's 10, that's cool. That's 10 people in our church that are wanting to become disciples of Jesus. If you say, John, I'm good on the Bible study thing, but man, I need some prayer. Then come on the first Wednesday night of the month. Take the rest Wednesday night off. I just need the mentorship. I'm good on the. Then show up on the fourth Wednesday night of the month. I, I use it however you can use it. I'm telling you, this is this is my next step. This is what I believe we have to do as a church, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it.
Next week, we're going to have, we're going to have more to talk about in discipleship and what that looks like and what, what the vision of our church actually is. And so we're going to talk about that next week. But I'd like to just offer this up together uh, and, and, and to collectively pray that God will bring it to pass however He wants it to be. That He'll bless our plans. I don't know if you do that as a family. I don't know if you do that at your job or whatever when you've got decisions to make that you offer them to the Lord and you say, God, this is the best I can do. I'm trying to be obedient, but I'm giving these to you and I'm just telling you, work it however it needs to work for your honor and glory and for the advancement of your kingdom. And that's what I want us to do together today. Do you all mind doing that with me? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for these people. I thank you for their kindness, for their patience, for their grace towards me and my family. I really can't believe it's been 10 years. Lord, I pray that you would uh, that you would bless our efforts. Not just me, but this staff, these elders uh, come together, and then individuals throughout this church pray for me and pray for us and pray for our church and every one of these people and groups have come together to bring us to where we are right now and Lord we believe that this is what you're telling us to do what you're showing us to do we believe Lord that you are that you are clarifying the vision for us so that we can all buy in and push in the same direction at the same time because we recognize that that what happens when two or three come together touching anything that, that you're in the midst of it. And we know that there is great power in agreement. So Lord, if there's power in two or three touching something, what would happen when there's two or three hundred touching something? And so Lord, that's what we're doing right now. Collectively, as a church, we are lifting our hands to you. We are in our hands, Lord, are the plans that you've laid in our hearts that we're laying out this week and next week. But Lord, we're lifting those things to you right now. And we pray that you are glorified in everything that we do. We pray, God, that you would bring, uh, that you would bring whatever level of success, whatever that means, to, to each of our efforts. Lord, for your honor, for your glory, for the development of disciples of Jesus, and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Lord, we lay these things on the altar today. We lift them up before you, and we ask your blessing and your direction on this church as we continue to move forward passionately pursuing your purposes and your plans and your presence. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.